0: Hallelujah, hallelujah, if you would remain standing together with me for just a few more moments longer, we're going to turn our attention to the book of 2 Kings and turn to the 7th chapter, 2 Kings chapter 7, praise the Lord, amen, amen, we've got some folks out of town for the three-day weekend, Labor Day weekend. And I'm so thankful to have someone in town uh, that could step in and feel uh, a, a need. So thankful to have Sister Betsy's very special friend, soon to be husband, Brother Drew Mains, running the soundboard today. We love and appreciate this fine man of God. And, uh, we are excited about Friday, September 23rd, the day of their wedding. That will be right here at the Refuge Church. And we are going to celebrate, amen, Then them entering into covenant together with the Lord. Amen. In marriage. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. 2 Kings chapter 7. And as some continue to turn there, I do want to just say... How much we love, and, and, and I'll say more later, but how much we love and appreciate Sister Betsy so very much, and how she has given her heart and her life to the Lord, and following the will of God for her life, and they have prayerfully and very carefully with the council of spiritual leaders, uh, they will be, they've made a decision that they will be locating there in Indiana, assisting his father, assisting the church there, the great work that God is doing there. Uh, But Of course, with that said, we can't, I'm not even going to look at you because I'll start crying. (laughs) Amen. We can't say enough how much we love this beautiful young lady and how much we will miss her. And uh, we promise not to be too angry with Brother Drew. Amen. But we want God's will for their lives. And, uh, I was praying just this morning about how we have the privilege of sending this woman of God into the kingdom to do his perfect will and purpose. And a piece of the refuge is going out into the kingdom to advance that kingdom. Amen. And what a privilege that is, even though it's at the same time a sacrifice. 2 Kings chapter 7. 2 Kings chapter 7. We'll begin reading with verse 3. The Bible says, And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said to one another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say, We'll enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we'll die there. If if we sit still here, we're going to die here. Now, therefore, come and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, there's a chance. It's a small chance. But if they save us alive, we'll live. If they kill us, well, I mean, what do we got to lose? We're going to die. We'll die here, in there. And if they kill us, we'll die. Verse 5, so they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. The King James word, their host, it means army. Uh, If you ever see the Lord of hosts, it means the Lord of heaven's armies. And the Syrians, God calls them to hear the sound of a great army. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel must have hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and their horses and their asses, even the camp as it was, and fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent, they did eat and drank, they carried from their silver and gold and clothing, and went and hid it and came again. And they went into another tent and did the same and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, This is not good today's a day of good news, good tidings. Yet we hold our peace. If we wait till the morning light, we would not be right. We would not do well if we hold our peace or keep silent until the morning. Some mischief will surely come upon us. Now, therefore, come that we may go and tell the king's household. Amen. I want to preach from this story. Amen. Sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. Amen. Let's pray together. Why don't you lay your Bibles and devices down and let's lift our hands up toward heaven and let's ask the Lord to have his way. Father, we love you and we thank you for the rich privilege we have to come together in this place to worship you, to be together with the family of God to worship and, and and honor you in tithe and offering and giving and prayers and fellowship. but Lord, now we have the opportunity to hear the word of the Lord. And I pray that as the messenger that I will be very sensitive to your spirit as you lead me and navigate through this message. Let your word be delivered with your love to this people. Let us receive it with humility. Let us embrace it and practice it with our lives so that we might realize the power of your word in the practice of it and the obedience of it. Together we say in Jesus' name, amen. Shake hands with two or three people before you're seated. Shake their hand and tell them, sharing is caring. Tell someone else, sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. Is carrying. That's that's typically something that you say or that you hear. Sharing is caring. Is has anyone ever heard that before? <laughs> before I get ahead of myself, let me ask you: When do you usually hear that little saying? That's it, brother Jadavius. Yeah, just, your mother was being very righteous when you're sharing something, but the truth of it is usually you hear that saying, usually you say that when you want something. Someone's got this awesome thing that they ordered through the drive-thru, and uh, you said, no, I'm, I'm fine. I don't need anything. <laughs> and then you say, you know, sharing is caring. And they say something like, "Well, you could have ordered something yourself." <laughs> Sharing is caring. It's, uh, you know, it really is true, actually, though. And so, if if you want to just use that this afternoon, take your liberty. Sharing is caring. We we have here. Uh, I mean, it's how many's ever heard this story from Scripture before about the four lepers? That go into the camp of the Syrians. Uh, maybe you've even heard me preach from it before, or I should say, I have preached from it. Maybe you remember me preaching from it before. And uh, here, Second Kings, chapter seven. Now, to give, as I like to do, to give a little backstory, we're going to jump to Second Kings, chapter six, and we have, I mean, just. A lineup of really neat stories, one after another, and they all kind of revolve around a prophet whose name is Elisha. Elisha, um, some pronounce it Elisha, <laughs> but um, Elisha is a prophet, and I think the story op- the, the chapter opens up in chapter six. You ought to read it. Read it tonight. It opens up, and the the sons of the prophets. So it's like. These young men that are coming up, you know, under some spiritual leadership like Elisha, they say this this area is too small for us. We're, we've got to expand. They, they said, let's let's have a a building expansion project. And Elisha's like, okay, yeah, go ahead, get to work. And uh, one of them, as they're working and they're cutting down trees and they're getting timber together to build this expansion. Um, one of them come to Elisha and, and are quite distraught. They say, listen, I was I was chopping away at, at the tree and the axe head of the axe I was using flew off the handle and went into the water. And now, I'm not going to take the time to preach this, but there's a lot there. But essentially, this was a, a kind of a, a very concerning thing because it was, It was a time when an axe would be of great value, and this man had borrowed it, so it wasn't even his, and he wanted to make sure that he was able to return it. And and anyhow, the prophet says, well, show me where it is. Showed him where it was, and he took a branch off the tree and put it in the water. (laughs) This is crazy. And the iron axe head swam, and he was able to reach down and get it. I mean, does anyone believe that? I should have said it different. Amen. What an incredible thing that happened. Some of you are like, I know it's in the Bible, but that's tough to believe. I don't believe the axe head grew arms and was swimming. I I don't believe that. It was just a finless iron fish. You go from that story to um, the next story in chapter 6 is where the king of Syria, he's, he's going after the king of Israel. He's wanting to kill the king of Israel. He's wanting to take out Israel. And he's trying to find him. But there's a problem Elisha the prophet is telling Israel where not to go. And so they're dodging these bullets. I mean, just coming out. At, at the King of Israel, and like every time a bullet shot, I mean in just perfect synchrony he 's dodging this bullet, and the King of Syria gets upset and and he says there's a spy among us who who is among us that 's for the King of israel and and his people tell him listen it 's none of us what 's going on is Elisha is a prophet, he's a seer, and he is telling the king of Israel what you're saying in the most secret place of your house. He's telling them the secret plans that you have. It's like he's got this ear that's finely tuned right to exactly what you're thinking, and he's sharing it ahead of time. <laughs> and the king of Syria says, well, let's, where's this guy at? Let's kill him. And then we could take over Israel. Well, they said, well, he's down in Dothan. They, they go to Dothan. They surround Dothan, the city where the prophet is. And the servant of the prophet wakes up, stretches his arms, and freaks out because he's, they're surrounded on every side by the Syrian army. And he's scared out of his mind. And he tells his master, the prophet Elijah, he says, we're surrounded We're doomed. We're all going to die. And Elisha says, calm down, man. There are more for us than there are against us. If you want to, go ahead and tally up every one of those chariots, horses, and army men that are surrounding this city. Count them up, and I'll guarantee you there's more that are fighting for us, that are on our side, than there are opposed against us. There's more. Now, that's kind of hard to believe when all you see is your enemy surrounding you. So the prophet Elijah laid his hands on this young man and prayed that God would open his eyes so that he might see what really is. And he opened his eyes and he saw chariots of fire that surrounded all the armies that stood against them. I want God to open my eyes like that. Amen. I'm tired of allowing my emotions that are based on the visible current circumstances of my life to dictate my direction and make me feel discouraged and defeated and depressed. I'm here to tell someone there is more for us than there are against us. Lord, open our eyes so that we might see the invisible armies of heaven that stand with us. Amen. Now, not... The the cool story didn't end there. Brother Andy, the Bible says that the Lord caused all the army of Syria to be blinded. And then they, they came into the city, and Elisha the prophet, who they came to kill. Now think about that. A whole army was sent to kill one man who had a relationship with the Lord. And God would speak through. It was the voice of the Lord. That shows me how valuable the enemy thinks the voice of God in our life really is. That's why it doesn't make a lick of sense for us not to be in this book. And for us not to bury ourselves in prayer and seek the face of God. Why? Because that's where our strength is. That's where our power is. Is with the voice of the Lord. Not only that, but let us not lay our hand against the anointed of God. If God has raised up leaders, ministry leaders and pastors and prophets and evangelists and ministers, let us value them and protect them and cover them with prayer. I'm not saying that because I'm your pastor. I'm saying that because it's true. The Bible says that uh, the, the Syrians felt their way into the city And and Elisha's like, hey, y'all need you looking for someone? Looking for something? Let let me help you out. And and he took them by the hand and led them right into Samaria to the king of Israel. He gave the enemy of Israel right there on a silver platter, figuratively speaking. I mean, just led them right there. And the king of Israel said, What do I do? (laughs) What should I do? Do I kill him? And 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 Elisha said, No, don't don't kill him. You know, that's not what you should do to your captives. That's that's what the pagans would do, but don't do that. Give them bread, give them water, send them on their way. And that's exactly what he did. He fed the prisoners of war, sent them on their way, and they didn't come back until they did. (laughs) The Syrians didn't come back until they did, and they did. And Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, surrounded the capital city of Israel, Samaria, and laid siege to it, which means they cut off any imports and exports. Nothing could go out of the city. Nothing could come into the city, right? And the Bible says there was a great famine in the land that grew so bad that they would sell a donkey's head for a high price. They would sell a quarter part, 25% of a cab of dove's dung for a high price. Now you can ask Brother Google what that means later. They were eating on just waste, on scraps, on, 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 on terrible, filthy things. In fact, it got so bad that these two ladies, they, they, went, they went up to the king. They went up to the wall where the king was, and these two ladies, they cried out to the king. And they said, listen, O king, this woman and I, we've agreed together, this is how bad it got, we agreed together that today we would boil my baby and eat my baby, and tomorrow we would boil her baby and eat her baby. Does that bother anyone? That's, that's very troubling, right? But, you know, that was actually prophesied. That was told in the word of God that if you would forsake me, God says, if you would forsake me, forsake my commandments, and go after the other gods and be like the other people, this is what's going to happen. And he, and he foretold that. He didn't make that happen. That was the consequences of their own poor decisions. Now, while we all kind of re- are repulsed by that grotesque imagery, right, of mothers eating their own babies, how far off are we really today? To satisfy their own appetites and as a result of their own poor decisions, it came at the expense of the children that they were given to protect and preserve unto life. And now we're having corporations that are promoting how they will pay for a woman to travel to wherever she needs to go to have an abortion for her own convenience. That's not what I've come to preach, but. And sure they're crying out because what happened was the mother who, her baby was up on the second day, she hid the baby because mother's instinct kicked in and hid the baby and she's crying out, this is not fair. We killed my child, and now it's her child's turn. And, and, and the king was distraught for a good reason. In fact, when they cried out for him to help the people, he said, how can I help you? What, what can I feed you from? Check my barns. Look in my cabinets. I've got nothing to give you. And this caused the king to make a vow that day. And he said, May God kill me if I don't take the head off of Elisha's shoulders. He he was in such a place where he was so distraught, so filled with pain, that he said, I want the I, I, I'm gonna be head. Elisha the prophet I mean the same guy that just served up the king of Assyria at his hand all of this has happened and so what he does is he sends a messenger to Elisha's house and Elisha is there with the elders of Israel and Elisha tells the elders of Israel he prophesies and he says someone's coming to take my head off and when they get here, close the door. Do not let them in. And you will hear the, the steps of the one who sent them not far behind them. And no sooner did those words leave his mouth. And the Bible says the messengers were at the door. And the elders of Israel are like, whoa, man, this guy's good. They closed the door. Sure enough, here comes the king of Israel right behind them. And he barks out to to Elisha. I know you're in there, Elisha. Look at what God has done. I can't wait for him any longer. We're starving to death. Our mothers are eating their own babies. We're all going to die. And then chapter 7 opens up, verse 1. And Elisha prophesied. And he said, about this time tomorrow, you are going to have far more than you could ever imagine. I know you're starving now, but you're about to be filled with abundance in the next 24 hours. Wow. The word of the Lord went forth, and the man upon whom the king leaned, his advisor, his chief advisor, was there. There with king of, the king of Israel. And he said, ha! If... If, if windows were, were, if the carpenters of, of heaven would, would create windows in heaven, how could this be? There's no way that this could happen. He mocked the word of the Lord, the prophecy, the promise. He mocked it. To which Elisha said, you'll see it, but you won't taste it. And then you go to our text. Verse 3, and there's four lepers. And they're sitting at the gate of the city. And they're, they're musing to themselves. They're thinking to themselves, if, if we go in the city, I know we're not allowed in there. We're unclean. But if we go into the city, we're going to die with the rest of the city. If we sit here, we're going to die. And what they were doing is they were, they were lining up the columns and, and weighing out the pros and the cons and trying to make a, a logical decision here of what they could do next. What is the reasonable path forward? Now what I see here is an unlikely fulfillment of the prophecy and the promise of the Lord. Now think about this. The Lord gives us a promise. The Lord gives us a prophecy And sometimes we overanalyze it and we try to figure out how can we make this be fulfilled. You don't have to worry about how God is going to fulfill his word. His word will go forth. It will not return unto him void. It is good. His promises are yea and they are amen. He doesn't need your help to fulfill his promise. Just ask Abraham and Sarah. And the lepers, here they are, unsuspecting <laughs> characters in the story of God's promise being fulfilled. They, oh my goodness, they're sitting there and they're wondering to themselves, we're starving to death. What are we gonna do? I'll tell you what, if we give ourselves to the Syrians, because we know they got food, if we give ourselves to the Syrians, what's the worst that could happen? We die? We'll die if we sit here. We die if we go in the city. Let's get up and let's go to the Syrians. And they started walking, and it was like this megaphone was put down to the feet of the four lepers and amplified. Infinitely, so that the Syrians thought to themselves that the Israelites must have hired out help, and all the Hittites and all the Egyptians had gathered up their armies to come against the Syrian army, and they were so afraid that they left, they dropped everything, and they ran for their lives in haste, leaving everything behind. They didn't pull up their stakes, they didn't pack up their tents, they didn't keep their food. They didn't. They ran for their lives at what (laughs) At, at, at four four lepers four men who were bound by their disease by their physical state by the sickness that had bound them by these four men walking out on a chance that we might live Because we know there's food over there. I know that we deserve to die. I know that it's very likely that we'll die. But there is a chance. Albeit it's a small chance, but we just might be left alive. And that small chance is worth taking. And God would take these unsuspecting characters in his story and use them for his glory, to fulfill his Promise, and there they are. They go into one tent and they're just gorging themselves with food and with drink. They're filling their pockets with all kinds of jewels, of silver and of gold, and they take it and they hide it. And then they go to another tent and they're gorging themselves and they're packing their pockets and they're gonna take it and they're gonna hide it. And it dawns on them. They come to themselves. What are we doing? behaving like beggars we have a poverty mentality that says we just gotta take everything that we can get and hide it and hoard it and keep it to ourselves as though there's not more where that came from I wish I could preach to some precious saint of God that the Lord in this place today wants to break the poverty mentality with which we live and says, listen, if you think that's good, there's more where that came from. You don't have to bury it. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to hoard it to yourself. Break down the barn. You don't have to build up another one. I've got all of heaven that's filled with the treasures that are through Christ and God. Oh, praise God, praise God. We don't do well. Come on, we, this is a day of glad tidings. And in other words, they would say it this way, if it was in the New Testament, this is a day of good news, which is the simple definition of the word gospel. They said this is the day that the gospel should be shared. Now, mind you, they did this all in the twilight hour. The sun was shedding, and perhaps it already dipped under the horizon. Are you hearing me tonight? Today, 1236. You're afraid I'm going to hold you till tonight. It was twilight. The sun had set and all they were living on was the light left of that day when they made the decision to say we're going to put one foot in front of the other and we're going to... Listen, they, they perhaps did not even know about the prophet's prophecy or promise that God had given. They were just going out on a chance and they started walking in the twilight and the sun had set and it was growing darker and darker and they said... It would not be good. In fact, I'm convinced if we don't tell someone, if we don't tell the king's house, some bad thing's going to happen to us. Maybe a little superstitious, right? What? What would happen to us if we hold this secret treasure to ourselves just for a few more hours? Convenience and their comfort zone might tell them, why don't we just catch some Z's and lay here on a comfortable bed for the night? Don't we deserve it? They wouldn't even know what's out here unless we went and told them, And they wouldn't know any better if we waited till morning. But they thought to themselves, I know it's dark out. I know it's the middle of the night. I know the sun has already set. I know they've already closed the gate. But we've got good news that we've got to share with the city. And so they went back and called out to the porter, the watchman on the wall, and said, we've got to tell the king something. (laughs) And I'll tell you where hungry, starving, desperate people are. They say, listen, I don't care what time of night it is. I don't care who it's coming from. If it's coming from four unclean leper beggars, let me hear it. Why? Because I'm starving in here. I'm dying in here. Give me some news. I don't know what kind of news it might be, but tell me what you got. Is that where our city is? Is that where your coworker is? Is that where your neighbor and loved ones and relatives and family members are? They say, listen, I know it's out. I can't hardly see my hand in front of my face. But if you knew how hungry I was, if you knew how desperate I was, if you knew how broken I was, we're in here eating our own babies. Tell me something. I need some good news wait listen don't wait till morning because morning will be too late don't wait till morning because perhaps some mischievous thing will overtake you you've got a gospel worth sharing and sharing is caring go and tell somebody what you found oh hallelujah we've got to tell someone i, I here's my goal and and you could check my notes it's on my notes today's goal is this Today's goal is this. I don't put this in every message. In fact, this is the only message I've ever done this to. But I put this in my notes. Today's goal is to kill the giant that opposes revival. And the giant that opposes revival is a selfish, stinking selfish, spirit. That says it's it's this poverty mentality, it's this mentality that says it's us for no more. We found something so glorious, and let's just hide it away to ourselves. Let's just take care of our little crew. But I'm telling you, we've got a treasure, we've been given victory. We are made more than conquerors through him that loved us. We have been given access to the riches of God in Christ Jesus, and sharing is caring. Take, take the goods and tell someone. Else, what you found. If nothing else, just remember who you are. Uh, Let me say it this way remember who you were. One big difference between that story and our story is those men, there's no record in the Bible that they stopped being lepers. But our story is different because where he found us, where he took us, where he saved us, listen, we're nothing but a bunch of former lepers. We had a disease that was eating us from the inside out. Whoa! Let me remind you: you and I were unclean as unclean could get. We couldn't be let in the city if we wanted to. We could have entertained the idea, but nobody wanted us around. Nobody wanted our thoughts or input. And one day, it was just a chance, but lo no, and behold, it was the fulfillment of a promise. We found, we found food. We found strength. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. It wasn't what I deserved. I deserved to die. It wasn't what I earned. I was just sitting there and then I got up and started walking towards where I thought there might be food. Oh! <laughs> I just followed my nose and lo and behold there was a whole banquet table set there before me. I stepped into that old church one day and I heard a message that soothed my soul. I came to an altar and kneeled in repentance. I came down in the watery grave of baptism and my soul was cleansed from all my sin and how many remembers the day where you lifted your hands and God filled you with the gift of the the Holy Ghost. I said, you've got such riches. You've got such glory. Uh, Is somebody thankful? Would you clap your hands right now to the Lord? I was the murderer, I was the adulterer, I was the fornicator, I was the unclean person who could not inherit the kingdom of God. But such were some of you. But you have been washed, you have been sanctified, you have been justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. Oh, I once was lost in sin, but Jesus cleansed me and made me whole. Old things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. Oh how how could this happen? How could this happen? It was because of the love of God. Let me tell you, young person, don't ever stop reading the book. That book is a love story of God's relationship with humanity. It started with him dipping his hands into the dust of the earth and forming you in the likeness of God, in the image of God. Look at your neighbor and tell them they're beautiful. You know why they're beautiful? It's not because the of their eyes or the shade of their skin it's not how their hair is fixed today or what clothing they're wearing it's because they're in the image of God I said you're when I look at you I see Jesus when I look at you I see glory when I look at you I see divine promise in your eyes Hallelujah! I said you're beautiful Quit believing the lie of the comparison culture that surrounds us. You're beautiful. I know you're lost. I know you're hurting. I know you're broke. I know you're filthy. I know you're struggling, but you're beautiful. I know that you're wandering and you don't know which way to go, but you're beautiful. I know the world said you're worthless. I know the world has left you behind to die on the road, half broken, half dead and naked, but you're beautiful. (laughs) How? Why? what is this all about? How were were we given access? It's because God, he had this promise that was first revealed in a curse. You see, man had disobeyed God and he spoke against the serpent who deceived the woman and he said, let me tell you now, I know that you deceived this woman. I know this couple has fallen into disobedience and there's judgment looming over their heads, but I'm telling you one day uh, there will be a child that's born of a woman and you'll Bruise his heel, but he'll bruise your head. Uh, I'm here to tell you that that promise was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Would you close your eyes all across this place? Close your eyes and look up and see your Savior. See your Savior bleeding, bloody, broken, and abandoned. Look at him and see him humiliated and stretched on that old rugged cross with a crown of thorns piercing his brow and nails through his hands and his feet. Look at Jesus on that cross. And let me tell you what you see. You see the love of God. You see God sharing his love with all humanity. He would not leave you like he found you, but he came so that you might have a way where there was no way. And the love and the love of Christ constraineth us Let me close this message and tell you this, that that love that allowed this poor begging leper to get up and find treasure, the love and the promise that allowed me to get what I never deserved, that love constrains me. The riches I found in Christ Jesus calls me to be compelled. I can't sit silent. I can't stay in my house. I can't keep this at 480111th Street but like on the day of Pentecost we ought to spill out into the streets this ought to be noise abroad we ought to tell someone where we found treasure <laughs> I told you look up and see Jesus. What I want you now to do is with your eyes closed is look out and see your neighbor. Look out and see your family member that has not yet been born again. Look with your eyes closed, but with the eye of your mind. Look and see Rock Island. Look and see Moline and Milan and Bluegrass and Buffalo and Muscatine and Eldridge and East Moline and Silver. Look and see Davenports. What Hundred and fifty thousand souls look look and see a city that needs to hear the gospel. Oh And let the love of God constrain you to say, I can't sit silent. I can't wait till morning. Tomorrow's not promised. All we've got is now. All we've got is here. And we've got to go. It might be the middle of the night. It might be the 11th hour. But I'm going to knock on someone's door. I'm going to share this gospel. I'm going to share these glad tidings. Today is a day of glad tidings. Can I tell you what the enemy of revival is? It's selfishness. Can I tell you what selfishness is a result of? Selfishness is a result of a lack of empathy or compassion. And we we come by it. I, could, I was going to say we come by it honest, but really we come by it a little dishonest. We come by it by our own fallen, disobedient human nature. But let me tell you, we are surrounded by a society that is sick with the love of self. And it cannot bleed into the church. The culture of the world cannot be the culture of the church. But we have got to have a love of God that is self-sacrificing. I'll tell you what his love compels me to do. His love compels me to give sacrificially to missions. His love compels me to give sacrificially to save our children. His love, his love compels me to give more than my tithe, but to give in offerings. His love compels me to give my time. I know there's a lot of things pulling for my attention, but I know that I could give my time in teaching someone a Bible study and picking someone up for church and taking time with someone before or after church to let them know someone cares within the church family about what there's what's going on in their lives I'll tell you what love looks like the love of God says I'll pray I'll get on my knees and I'll pray for my brother I'll pray for my sister I'll pray for our ministry leaders I'll pray for my city I'll stand in the gap and intercede for my city and cry out God forgive my city forgive my city of its sins selfishness says God forgive me of my sins and I know that's necessary but an unselfish love of God in the heart of a soul says Lord forgive my city we could stand here and we could judge our city we could stand here and there will be a day for that where we sit as kings and priests and judges of the earth but Today is not that day. Today is a day where we sit with Christ as a mediator, as an intercessor that says, Lord, help my city. Like Moses says, if you're going to take out this people, you got to take me out with them. This altar is open, but you don't have to wait till you come to the altar. You can kneel right there at your own seat or pew, but someone's got to say, Lord, the kids that I go to school with, the people that I go to work with, all oh, the people in my city, they've got souls. They're hungry. They're desperate. They're going to desperate measures, and they're doing things that they never dreamed they would do, eating things they never thought they would eat. They're sacrificing their own children. But they don't have to if I just share with them the good news. I'm calling the refuge church to stand in the gap, to be an interceding church, interceding for your neighborhood, interceding for your school, your workplace, interceding for your family, your relatives, interceding for the quad cities. Oh Lord, this coming community cookout, it's more than just a time where we could give food away and let people hear some good Christian gospel music. But Lord, let us share the love of God. Let us share the good news of how. There is salvation in the name of Jesus. There is redemption through Jesus Christ and his atoning sacrifice oh would you lift up your voice family of God would you lift up your voice Uh, I'm sorry if you came here today expecting for some message to help you feel better about yourself no this is not what you're being served today it's a message that says remember where he brought you from remember how he fed you with food you didn't deserve and remember he gave you a treasure that is to be shared it's to be shared. It's to be shared. Would you pray? Would you cry out to the Lord? Would someone find a place where you could get on your face before God and say, Lord, save my city. Save my family. Save my neighborhood. Save my lost family members. Don't let me be complacent. Don't let me live lukewarm when I've got such a wonderful treasure to share. (laughs) Come on, eternity is forever. Eternity is forever. There is a heaven to gain, there is a hell to shun, there is a gospel to be preached. And you have this treasure in earthen vessels. Oh, but if we hide that gospel, we hide it from them that are lost. That's it. It's amazing to me that people could lift their voice and cry aloud when they want something for themselves, but when God calls you to cry aloud for someone else, we're silent crickets. But I wonder if the Refuge Church could spare not but lift up their voice and cry an intercessory prayer. Oh, as bad as you would cry for something that your family needed, something that that you needed, would you cry and lift up your voice right now for the salvation of a city that is lost and dying and going to hell? There's 350,000 people in this metro area, and we've got to reach them. We've got to reach them. <laughs> Lift up your eyes long enough from the blessings that God has given to you to see the city that is starving and desperate for a miracle. Come on, lift up your voice and say, Lord, move me. Let us slay that giant, that giant that opposes revival, that giant of selfishness, that giant of selfishness. Oh Lord, you called us with these words. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself take up his cross and follow me. Let us follow Jesus to the cross. Let us follow Jesus to the garden. Let us follow Jesus to the prayer that prays not my will, but thy will be done. Let us follow Jesus to the common hall where he's mocked by the Roman soldiers. Let us follow Jesus to Gethsemane and let us follow him to Golgotha where he allowed them to stretch his hands and nail them to a cross. Come on, follow Jesus. Follow Oh, Jesus, let us seek and save the lost. Let us reach our city. Come on, obey the first commandment, but let the second be right up behind it where we love our neighbor as ourselves. Oh, come on. There's no music again this week, but I wonder if our voices could fill this auditorium right now, voices that are lifted up in prayer. Yeah.